Welcome to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela. The Iowa caucuses are on Monday, kicking off the presidential primary season. The Democratic candidates have been crisscrossing the Hawkeye State, hoping to convince voters they're the one to take on Donald Trump in the fall. We'll get a report on the campaign from the ground in Iowa. But before that, the first in a series of interviews profiling each of the presidential contenders. All right, we're joined now by Michael Nutter. He is the former mayor of Philadelphia and the national political chair for Mike Bloomberg 2020. He is yeah. uh, making the rounds and uh, decided to join us here at uh, Como News today. And uh, I guess the first basic question for the campaign, why Bloomberg in 2020? Mike Bloomberg is ready to lead, literally day one. He's been a leader, not only in government, but in the private sector and the philanthropic sector as well. This is a person who uh, knows how to make enterprises run. He's been a success uh, in all of those endeavors uh, and cares about uh, the issues that many, many Americans care about, not just Democrats, uh, but Republicans and independents. People care about climate change, and Mike has actually done something about it, uh, has worked in that regard. He cares about public safety. Again, Mike has gotten things done in that regard. He cares about education. He cares about uh, the plight of those who have been left out, uh, locked out, and sometimes locked up. Uh, and so this is a person who understands how to run a government, policies and programs to make things work, and also bring dignity and respect back to the office of president, uh, to the White House, to uh, the United States of America. Uh, the fact of the matter is that, unfortunately, the current occupant of the White House uh, is providing virtually no leadership uh, and is dangerous and reckless uh, in his behavior uh, and the activities uh, in which he engages. It's been time for a change for a long time. Mike Bloomberg decided that it was his imperative. Uh, he was. Uh, 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 had to uh, step forward, put himself forward uh, as a candidate uh, and take on Donald Trump uh, in the primary and caucus season as well as hopefully in the general election. Uh, you've been a politician for a long time, former mayor of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Why did you sign on to this campaign opposed to the others? I've known Mike for a long, long period of time. He's been a friend, a supporter, a mentor uh, to myself and many other mayors across the United States of America. We went through the Great Recession together. We learned from each other, borrowed uh, strategies and techniques and ideas. Uh, but also, uh, I know this individual actually knows how to govern. Uh, because uh, I've seen it and so many other mayors have seen his work. We see the care and the commitment put forward by Bloomberg Philanthropies. Uh, we see uh, the ability to take in and synthesize, analyze a significant amount of information and use data and evidence in his decision-making process. And so I'm very proud and honored uh, to be a part of uh, this particular effort. Uh, and Mike is the person who I've wanted uh, to run for president for some time. And he, he was a little bit late getting into the race. And I, I remember last year when he came out to Seattle and held a press conference with uh, our mayor, Jenny Durkin, one of the questions I asked him, if, if was he gonna run for president? Yeah. He hadn't decided yet. Yeah. Why did he get in so late? Well. As you recall, and you've been following this, he actually was thinking about it uh, back in uh, January, February of 2019. Uh, at the same time, you know, almost every other week it seemed uh, some new person was jumping in the race. And I think as a candidate, you know, that's uh, one of the more personal decisions uh, you have to make uh, in life. Uh, most people don't have to make that decision, but to run or not to run. And you look at the field, you assess what's going on, it's the mood of the country. I think. 
a part of the decision, I'm not saying it was all of it, but certainly part of it was, you know, there are 15, 16, 17, however many folks there were at that time already on the field. Uh, and I think Mike decided, let's see how this plays out. Uh, he had already made his own commitment uh, through uh, the 2018 midterms to support House members and senators uh, helping to uh, cause uh, Democrats to take over the House back at that time. So he said, let me just sit back and see, you know, how this all shakes out and maybe someone will demonstrate uh, the strength and the ability, have the resources to take on uh, Donald Trump in the fall. Fast forward six, seven, eight months later, uh, we've seen how things have been playing out, the uh, fundraising, the debates, et cetera, et cetera, different policy positions. Uh, the American public has not really landed on any particular candidate, and I think Mike felt compelled at this point in time uh, to put himself forward uh, and offer his brand of governance uh, and politics. You mentioned the debates, and since he's got in, the, the Democratic National Committee's only held two debates. Uh, he wasn't invited to either of those. That's usually the biggest way to get your name and, and your message out there to the American public. Uh, how is how a, a campaign strategist, how do you do that when you haven't been a part of those debates? Well, it's interesting you would say that. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, about six million people watched the debate before uh, the one the other night, uh, and that viewership is uh, declining. Uh, on the other hand, uh, because of the resources that we have available to us, Mike has been running ads all across uh, the United States of America uh, for some time uh, in a variety of places where Democrats aren't even uh, paying that much attention to. Apparently someone is watching our ads uh, because Mike went from 5% to 11% uh, in about a 10-day period of time. The Hill-Harris poll showed us at 11% tied with uh, Senator Warren. And so uh, while the debate stage may be one way to get a message out, it's not the only way. Uh, and those debates come, you know, about every 30 days or so. We're advertising every day. But isn't that a little risky when you're doing it in a, a Democratic primary because one of the big criticisms, um, criticisms from Democratic voters is big money in politics. Michael Bloomberg, obviously very wealthy, spending a lot of his own money on this campaign. Well, no one seems to complain that the candidates are out raising money. They're all spending money, and you know, I'd say with a smile and with every respect, I mean, none of the stations have offered to take our ads for free. So it does cost money uh, to uh, be actively engaged and to get a message across. And so whether it's your own money or money that you raise from someone else, money is money, uh, and you have to spend it in order to get a message out. So I think that's, you know, it's just a red herring, and mostly comes from folks who maybe don't have uh, as much resource as they would like. One of the big things when you talk to Democratic voters uh, in this particular election is that they want someone to beat Trump. That's their number one issue. They Absolutely. want electability. Right. So how do you make that argument to Democratic primary voters as the voting just now gets underway in the next couple of weeks in Iowa and New Hampshire? Well, we're making that uh, specific argument because we're running a general election campaign in the primary and caucus season. When the debates took place in Democrats uh, just a couple of days ago, Democrats were in Iowa, Donald Trump was in Wisconsin. When I opened the, our campaign office in Harlem, uh, New York, on Saturday, Mike Bloomberg was in Texas. He's going to all the places where, in many instances, Democrats are not at the moment because they are focused on uh, Ohio, uh, 
uh, Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Nevada, and uh, South Carolina. And so we're already building the infrastructure, we're building the base, we're building the teams now. Office opened in Pennsylvania and Philly in December. Pennsylvanians don't vote until April. And so we're putting that team together and we've hired uh, a number of folks already all across the United States of America. And so we are actually running a general election campaign during the primary season. That's how we're going to beat Donald Trump. Speaking of, of the general election, typically you have to a appeal to uh, a broader range of voters. You have to appeal to the moderates, some of the uh, more moderate or, or left-leaning Republicans as well in order to win that general election. Mm -hmm. How does Michael Bloomberg <coughs> make that pivot and, and make that argument to voters? Well, actually, Mike's not going to have to make a pivot because he is actually pretty uh, liberal person, conservative in some ways, certainly from a fiscal uh, standpoint, but uh, he doesn't need to twist himself uh, into a pretzel. Uh, but how do you appeal to those middle-of-the-road voters? How do you appeal to... I think Mike Bloomberg is the quintessential, uh, you know, center uh, kind of candidate. Uh, very, very focused on, uh, you know, those middle voters care about uh, economics, they care about jobs, they care about the environment, they care about health, they care about public safety then they must like Mike Bloomberg uh, because he's worked on all of these issues and been quite successful. I think the challenge for us uh, with regard to any of the voters that you've talked about is making sure they know our record, making sure they know who he is. Uh, voters at the moment have, you know, a relatively small amount of information. Yeah, he was the mayor. Yes, he created a company from scratch. Yes, he has a foundation. Our challenge and our responsibility is making sure that people know what all three of those components are about, how you tie it all together, uh, and hear a message that is a unifying message, that is a message about bringing people together, it's about putting people to work, it's about your kids getting a great education, and you being safe in your own neighborhood. That's who Mike Bloomberg is. Specifically, what would he do for Washington voters, for people in this state? They're our voters tend to be a little bit more liberal. Mm -hmm. uh, just they vote for the Democratic candidate ever, uh, since I think Reagan was the last time they they voted for a, a Republican. But how do you appeal to specifically to this state? To, to the Washington voters? Well, uh, I mean, I'd be the first to say I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. I'm probably not an expert on Washington State, but uh, I know that uh, climate change, climate resiliency, and uh, many of the uh, issues uh, climate-wise are of particular interest uh, to the folks here in Washington State. There's no person living in America right now who's done more uh, to protect the environment, ensure clean water, clean air, uh, through his work and uh, beyond coal, uh, in the Beyond Coal organization, Mike has helped to shut down 300 uh, coal-powered coal plants. Um, no one else can talk about uh, things like that. And so whether it's uh, working with a variety of groups and organizations through uh, the foundation, uh, whether it's contributions that he's made on his own or the work that he did uh, in New York City, that very far away place from uh, Washington State, the record is the record. And the environmental uh, credentials, uh, I think, are stellar. Washington votes the Tuesday after Super Tuesday, a week after Super Tuesday. Right, Does uh, Michael Bloomberg have any plans to come here? The one thing I can tell you is the schedule changes on a regular basis. It's changed <laughs> five times since I've been on the ground here uh, in, uh, in Seattle. And so, uh, you know, I don't make his schedule, uh, but I get to try to influence it. And based on what I've seen here and the conversations that we've had, I'm certainly uh, recommending uh, to, uh, to the team back at headquarters that we need to get Mike out here.
All right, Michael Nutter, former mayor of Philadelphia and national political chair of the Michael Bloomberg campaign. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Now, we've invited each of the candidates to appear on the Como Politicast, and we hope to have them on before the Washington primary on March the 10th. Now, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, the last-minute push for votes in Iowa. That's on the way when the Como Politicast continues after this. Everything you missed while at work. Update and unwind on the way home. The Como Afternoon News on the Northwest's only all-news station. Como News 1000, FM 97.7, and ComoNews.com. Welcome back to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela. The Iowa caucuses are just a couple of days away, and that will mark the beginning of the presidential primary season. Democrats trying to figure out who is going to go head-to-head against Donald Trump. Joining us now is ABC's Ryan Burrow on the ground in Iowa. What are we seeing there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, while we see some of the Democratic candidates crisscrossing the state, Andrew Yang, Tom Steyer, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, we are not seeing any activity from three other pretty prominent candidates, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Amy Klobuchar. And the reason, they're stuck in Washington, D.C., handling this impeachment trial. So they've essentially had to manage their campaigns from several states away, hours away, in fact. Um, it's really kind of uh, hurt their ability to, you know, uh, shake some hands, kiss some babies, and uh, get involved in this campaign, especially with this mad gash ahead of the uh, the Iowa caucus that's coming up Monday. So it's made for a very interesting dynamic. You have a feeling that their bag is packed, their ticket is ready. They're just waiting for the green light to, uh, to make that flight to Iowa. And then you see the latest polling numbers showing a tight race for first place. Yeah, right now it seems to be neck and neck between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, Biden essentially has spent his last week campaigning specifically at Donald Trump, trying to convince these Iowa voters that in November, it's going to be Trump versus Biden. And so they should start thinking about that now. Everything he's said has been linked directly to Trump, Trump's policies, the, thing Trump, the things Trump has said. He really hasn't talked much about the fellow Democratic candidates that he'll be facing off against Monday. Bernie Sanders, in the meantime, hoping to eventually get here, hoping to woo the crowd. Uh, he'll be hitting some college towns. He'll also be hosting a concert Saturday night. Uh, that uh, with Vampire Weekend, so hoping to keep his base nice and strong. And uh, we'll see kind of how this all plays out, because as of right now, it really is a coin toss. Some of the other candidates, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Pete Buttigieg, they've been in the lead in some of these polls, but they seem to have slid down a little bit uh, in the most recent polling. How indicative is Iowa? Because you, you look at the first two states, Iowa and New Hampshire, two of the whitest states in the country, not exactly a cross-section of America. No, they're not, but this is the first big step for all of these candidates. It's the first time anyone will actually vote for them. So if you can get this kicked off on the right foot and then go to New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada and what have you and into Super Tuesday, you'll be in good shape. And Likewise, it could go the other way. If you've invested a lot of time and energy and resources in Iowa and things go sideways and you don't even get the first vote in where you're considered a valid candidate, you have to have 15 percent of the vote. Well, then things turn south for you pretty fast and you start to recalculate how the campaign is going. So for someone like Amy Klobuchar who's looking to make some real headway, if things don't go well for her Monday, um, you know, that. that that could make it a, a lot more challenging in the states to come. So it's big from those regards. But, yeah, it's, it's not a great cross-section of America. That being said, you've got 
central Des Moines, which is uh, the most populous part. You've got, obviously, a lot of rural farm. And then on the east side of Iowa, you've got a a lot of uh, industry, a lot of blue-collar workers, a lot of union workers. So we've seen Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden, uh, maybe the more moderate uh, of some of these candidates, really trying to work uh, those corners of Iowa as best they can and try to secure as many votes as possible. Iowa is a caucus state as opposed to a primary. How does that change the strategy? Oh boy, Monday is going to be fun. So rather than going into a, a voting booth and, and pulling for one car- uh, one uh, candidate or another, uh, you can select uh, maybe several candidates as the, as the night drags on. You'll have your first vote. Uh, you'll stand along the wall of the candidate you support. If your candidate uh, gets 15% and is deemed to be a valid candidate, uh, then your candidate moves on to another round of voting. But uh, if your candidate does not, uh, then you get to pick a second candidate. So what we're already seeing is some horse trading going on behind the scenes. The Klobuchar team has told us that uh, the Joe Biden campaign has reached out to them and said, hey, look, if in any of these caucuses you don't hit 15 percent, maybe you can kind of tell your supporters to come on over to our side and vice versa. Uh, but uh, the uh Steyer and uh, Andrew Yang camp say uh, they've been reached out to as well by the Biden camp, as well as the Bernie Sanders camp. So this is the kind of thing that happens. It makes for a wild evening. But uh, that's that's the big difference between the caucus and uh, some of these primary states. And the presidential primary season kicks off on Monday. Ryan Burrow from Iowa, thank you so much. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogelup. Thank you for listening and have a good week.